Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here, what's happening in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians? Paul, you, you, you see, remember how a couple chapters ago, how, how, how you know, it was mentioned that uh, uh, deeper, deeper things, you see the shift where in chapter 3, Remember, he says, I speak as to babies. You guys are still on milk, and it's three years later, and you're still on milk. But then as you get into when, when the Lord cleans house using Paul in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, when deeper things are explained and the leaven is dealt with, all of a sudden we get into the deeper things, and now we're getting into spiritual gifts. Here in verse 1, Paul says, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I love the heart of Paul. I'm so in love with the heart of Paul because like in Romans chapter 1 verse 13, he says, I do not want you to be unaware. He says, I do not want you to be unaware in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 20, I do not want you to be in fellowship with demons. And uh, here, you know, here he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. He also says it in uh, to the church in Thessalonica in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant. And I love this so much because you see the heart of Paul and his desire for growth in the church, his desire for growth. And you see the alignment with the heart of the Lord. Because the Lord desires us to grow. To put aside the elementary things, to move on from the elementary things. And understanding that Paul is a vessel. And that you see that, you know, wow, is, you know, he, the Lord is using him. So much so that 2,000 years later, give or take a couple years, we're still being blessed by his writings, inspired of the Holy Spirit. And his heart is so in tune with the Lord that his writing is captured in the canon of truth. Wow, how the Lord used him. This is such a beautiful, beautiful uh, aspect for us to learn and understand and how the Lord desires to use you. How the Lord desires to use you and how He can use you as a vessel. But first, in order for that to happen, He has to work inside of you and then He works through you. Remember, no dirty vessels. Old Testament, New Testament, nothing dirty. That's why we come to Him dirty, filthy, and he cleans up. Just as the saying goes, he cleans his own fish. And it's holy. It's so holy. It's beautiful. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's Paul. I do not want you to have lack of information or lack of intelligence. That's how ignorant tra ignorance translates. He says, you know that you were Gentiles. Very interesting because the church is predominantly Gentiles here in Corinth comprised of both Jew and Gentile, but largely uh, Gentile. He says that you know that you were Gentiles. Very interesting because he's speaking to Gentiles and he uses it past tense. He says that you were Gentiles. And I think this is so powerful because this word for Gentile translates into heathen. It translates as heathen. That you were heathen. Remember, in Christ there's no Jew or Gentile. There are people of the way. You are a people of the way. Old Testament and the New Testament, you see a picture of people being grafted into the promises of God. Denying the things of Canaan, denying the things of Egypt, denying the Baals, denying the Ashtoreth, denying the Moab gods, the, the, the gods of Moab. 
just as we study on uh, 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 Wednesday, Numbers 22, we see a picture of the comparison, the juxtaposition of Jethro and Balaam. You see, a denial of the former ways, the, the gods of Moab, but then at the same time, the acknowledgement of the Lord. You see, how beautiful is this? And the same thing applies, Old Testament and New Testament. You know that you were Gentiles, and in the old nature, carried away to these dumb idols carried away to these voiceless image and heathen gods. That's how it translates here. These heathen gods. However you were led. Very powerful. You see a complete and total denial of these idols. But then at the same time, you see, you know, there's the strong message. Don't return to these idols. Not just a strong message, a strong admonition. Because the things written of old are written for our admonition. The things in the Old Testament written for our admonition. What does that say to you and to me? Wow, you know, the Lord freed me from alcohol. Wow, the Lord freed me from the drugs. Wow, the Lord freed me from the sex. Wow, the Lord freed me from the being a tax cheat. Wow, the Lord freed me from the occult. Okay, praise be to the Lord. No denial. Praise be to the Lord. Don't go back to that lifestyle. Don't go back to those worthless idols, those dumb idols. Don't go back. Don't return to them. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, calls Jesus anathema. Nobody. That's what Paul says. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. How beautiful is this? Now, these are the very basics of spiritual warfare. But basics are fundamental. Very basic. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Basics. Basics of spiritual warfare. But basics are fundamental. I remember listening to this interview of Michael Jordan. If you don't know, Michael Jordan's a basketball player. And, you know, Michael Jordan, you probably know that already. But depending on where you're from, you might have never heard, you know. But, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, I was listening to an interview and he's like, Arguably the greatest ball player of all time, the greatest basketball player. And I, I think he's, you know, top three at least. If not the greatest. Me personally, I think, okay, number one, you know, number one. There's some other guys that are good, but, you know, it's just like, okay, for that era, you know, I understand. But Michael Jordan was like decades before his time, even centuries before his time, you know. And wow. He, and, and so he was in an inter- interview. And they asked him, you know, what's the important aspect of your game? And he says, it's the fundamentals. And I love that so much. I was shocked. But I love that so much because the fundamentals is what, like, babies learn. I mean, not babies, but like kids. When they start to learn basketball, they learn how to dribble. You know, they learn, you know, side, side movements. Basically, like, the dribble, which is so basic. And I love that. Michael Jordan says the fundamentals. Now, at his level, there are different aspects of fundamentals, but I meant like, you, wow, it's just for him to reduce his game to say that's the most important aspect is the fundamentals. And I love that. And it reminds me of our walk in the Lord because there are basics to our walk in the Lord which are important, but then at the same time that, okay, let's build from these. Let's build from this. And that's what you see. It kind of starts in chapter 12 because you see this uh, further discussion of spiritual warfare and even into 2 Corinthians. 
the discernment to understand, okay, this is good, this is bad. The discernment to understand, this is of the Lord, this is of the devil, this is of Satan. And you see this shift where these things are now introduced to the church in a good way, in an education kind of way. Like, this is teaching how to fight. This is how you fight. This is how you identify good. This is how you identify evil. And he says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important to understand that uh, 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 the leaven has been dealt with. The leaven has been dealt with, but even still, uh, the Lord still uses Paul to chasten, to chasten the church. Remember in chapter 17, or in chapter 11, what we studied last week, in verse 17 and in verse 22, he says, I do not praise you. I do not praise you, he says. So there's those little chastening aspects, but even at chapter 11, the leaven has been dealt with already. Remember chapter 5? Commit a, bro, commit a guide to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You know, for the destruction of the flesh. I say commit a brother to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. You know, and it, 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 the, the, it, it's very important to understand that for the destruction of the flesh, that his soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. Such tender care for a soul even when such a person has no tender care for his own soul. Commit such a one to Satan. But the text doesn't say a brother commit a brother. He says commit such a one to Satan. You see a picture of, wow, here you have a picture of the world that is coming to the church. And the world that is coming to the church in Corinth, at the same time, look at the effect of the world of Corinth into the church. Because then he says, okay, now anybody named a brother is sexually immoral, is a reviler, is a drunkard, an extortioner. Don't, don't even eat with these people. Put away from you the evil person. And that's three years in. Three years, arrested development. That's, what arrest, arrest, that's the fruit of arrested development. No growth. If I can say fruit, there's no fruit. You see, it's very important to understand this because what happens is today, it's the leaven of today that says, oh, let's have unity. Let's have unity. You know, yeah, I'm a sex head. Yeah, I'm a crackhead. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, I do this and I've been doing it for the past five years, 10 years, but the whole time I believe in the Lord, but still let's have unity. Come on, let's have lunch together. Let's have dinner together. Let's have unity. And so unsuspecting Christians unsuspecting young Christians who haven't moved on to perfection, unsuspecting, they say, you know what? Yeah, we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love. So yeah, let's have unity. And then all of a sudden, the world enters the church and it grows. It metastasizes. It's leaven. But that's what truth does. Truth divides. And this is where pastors come in. This is where elders come in. A heavy, heavy-duty responsibility unto the church, unto the church, unto the Lord for the benefit of the church. Heavy, heavy responsibility. Because it's the pastor and the elders who have to exercise discernment, biblical discernment, to understand, okay, you know, there's this sin in the church, okay, maybe the, 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 the guy, the lady, or maybe they're brand new believers. 
Maybe they're brand new believers, so I'm just going to talk to them about this. I'm just going to mention this. Hey, you know, this isn't good. You know, let's, the, the, the Bible says this. You know, let's have a little, a little uh, uh, private study. Let's explain this and see what the Lord's perspective is on this behavior. And then the person is aware. Then you give it time for that person to make an adjustment. There's no adjustment made. Okay, now, you know, I have to warn you. Okay, now, you know, and, and keep in mind, there's all, there's, Bible studies the whole time. There's Sunday service, Wednesday service. There's, you know, prayer services. There's all kinds of different things happening during the week. Partaking of communion. The warnings given, hey, you know, if you're playing games with the Lord, don't take communion. Then if a person hasn't changed, it's been like, you know, a year, two years. There's no change. Now the warnings come. Maybe even, you know, several months, depending on, you know, it, 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 the situation dictates. You see, and then, you know, then no change. Maybe it's more drugs, more alcohol, more sex. Now, instead of the church impacting the world, the world can impact the church and the pastor, the elders have a job to do. Okay, warning number two. You see? Warning. No change whatsoever. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's further digression into the ways of the world. Okay, you know what? You know, probably, you know, this isn't going to be a good fit for you, my friend. You see? This isn't going to be a good fit for you. And here's why. You see? And then the warnings get stronger. It's not to say like, wow, you know, because we age you or anything like that. It's because, yes, that, that, you know, you want people to come to Christ. And that's why, you know, hear us say all the time, come on, come on. I don't care. Sex, drugs, alcohol. I don't care. Come on, come on. But when you come to Christ, you're at the cross. You receive Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. But then at the same time, you don't leave Jesus Christ. Reckoning the old man dead, reckoning the old woman dead. There's fruits of the spirit. And then there's fruits of the flesh. There's walking according to the flesh and walking according to the world. And we're, 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 we're learning. It. It's something that's not going to come to full completion until we're dead. But you hear me mention, you know, the defunct elders, the defunct pastors of Corinth. Why in the world did I have to get to this stage? Why in the world did I have to get to this level? Why was is there so much rampant sex inside the church? And I, I, I don't want to put like levels of sex, but you know, not just sex, but it was like not, it's, it's not even the Gentiles, the kind that's not even named among the Gentiles. That's what Paul says. As if the, you know, the sex is bad, but it's like, you know, marital sex is fine, but I meant non-marital. He says it's so bad that not even the Gentiles do this. Not even the heathens do this. And this is inside the church. And we read it like in shock. Like chapter 5. Remember our study in chapter 5? It was like in shock. Like, oh my goodness. This is going on inside the church? It begs the question, where in the world were the elders? Where in the world were the, the, the pastors? Defunct. And so Paul cleans house. The Lord uses Paul to clean house. 
It's very important to understand that because it's the leaven that desires to have fellowship. I mean, we all desire to have fellowship, but you know, when the leaven desires to have fellowship, you have to make certain distinctions. If a person's brand new believer, that's one thing. They, they just became a Christian last month. They just became a Christian in the last four months, five months, six months. They understand these deep things. But someone's been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. Or they say, I've been a Christian my whole life. And there's still these, you know, the, 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 the outpouring of the flesh. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the extortion, the reviling, the drunkards. Just as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Then you have a choice to make. They made their decision. You have to make your decision. In honoring the Lord. Okay, I'm going to separate from this brother. I'm going to separate from this sister. I'm going to pray for them. But I'm going to separate from them. Because I read my Bible, I listen to the messages, I go to church, I go to the prayer prayer nights. And biblically, this guy is leaven. You see, you have a choice to make. And so understand when we get to these passages, this has already been addressed. This has already been, that's why you hear me say the leaven has been dealt with. Because a lot of times, this is how apostasy enters a heart. A well-meaning heart. Innocent lamb, innocent sheep. And it's the leaven that says, hey, let's have fellowship. Yeah, I'm going to go do my crack, but let's have fellowship. Yeah, I'm going to go do my strip clubs, but let's have fellowship. I'm going to go do my sex, my alcohol, my tax cheat, my uh, uh, Ouija boards. I'm going to go ahead and do my occult. I'm going to do my yoga. But yeah, let's have fellowship. And the unsuspecting lamb, unsuspecting sheep will say, yeah, you know what? God is love. So let's have fellowship. And the whole time the leaven isn't dealt with. And instead of growth in the spirit and walking according to the spirit, you see more and more people making the choice to walk according to the flesh. You see? So it's very important to understand as we get into verse 4. So let's look at verse 4. There are, there are diversities of gifts. This is charisma. Diversities of gifts, which is the charisma, which is the granting of endowment in variety. Now, <clears throat> give an example like rich people and in the ways of the world. Rich people, they like to give grant money. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes they're, they're, they have, their, have certain uh, um, uh, uh, interests in life. Um, and so with, based on these interests, like say, for example, you have like poor people and say a poor person who has uh, come out of poverty and made it, maybe became an investor or became whatever and, uh, and you know, has a lot of money. Well, they give grant money. So they'll, they'll go to the poor people and they say, yeah, you know, I'll give grant money to these. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to go to college, you can't afford college, you know, I'll help you. I'll, I'll, I'll bankroll you. And so they do it through endowments. And so the kids, the poor kids, what they do is they seek the, they go to the endowment and they seek the endowment. Now the, the endowment is what funnels the gifting of the rich person. 
So the rich person might say, okay, I have $100,000 to blow or, you know, $200,000 to blow. And so here I'm going to give it to the endowment. And that endowment says, okay, we're going to bankroll uh, the annual tuition, uh, the first year tuition for, uh, I don't know, five kids, 10 kids, 20 kids, depending on where they go, you know, they have certain uh, allocations. And so, okay, we're getting this $200,000 check this million dollar check or whatever. And, you know, we're going to, it goes to the endowment and through the endowment, the kids, they start to apply for their grants. That's, that's how it works. And there's, you know, tax advantages to that. If you're wealthy, there's tax advantages to that. But a lot of times it's, you know, certain interests, you know, a lot of times it deals with, you know, like a, a minority status or in some cases like certain types of degrees if you know somebody who is a, 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 a has a, is a doctor you know maybe they'll bankroll you know uh, medical degrees for the poor people or you know whatever the different everything it's based on different things but that's how this process of uh, uh, the grants through endowments and funneling to the to the kids the poor kids that's how it works and I say that to give an example I say that as an, a worldly example but it's almost identical with the Lord in these diversities of gifts. It's the granting of endowment, but it's in variety. We are the recipients. And it's the Spirit that gives. It's the Lord who gives. It's the Lord who gives. There are, in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Understand there's a variety, but it's the same Spirit. Now, there are some denominations who teach, okay, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is you speaking in tongues. You have to speak in tongues, and that is proof that you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is unbiblical. That is unbiblical. Why? Because there are, di- there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. Tongues is one of many. And yet there are some denominations who teach, okay, you have to speak in tongues. And rather than speak in tongues, people get so kind of like down and out, like, wow, I can't speak in tongues. I can't speak in tongues. So in order for me to belong to the church, in order for me to be a Christian, because they don't know, they don't understand. In order for me to be a Christian, I'm just, I'm just going to fake it. I'm going to speak gibberish. I'm going to fake it because you know what? The evident proof that I'm a Christian is that I got to speak in tongues. And so I'm just going to speak gibberish. I'm going to fake it when it's not the spirit at all. You see, that's what's happening. And you might see it happening. You might even be in a fellowship where you, you it's happening, depending on where you are. You might even be in a fellowship where it's happening. Understand that there are diversities of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is one of many, not the only. It is one of many. And it's not the greatest gift. <laughs> you see, very important. Pastors, elders who tell their, uh, 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 tell God's people, the lamb, the flock of God, the lamb, the sheep, who tell them, in order for you to have an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's tongues. You have to speak in tongues. And they'll look at biblical passages, you know, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, as their proof. Okay, it happened here in Acts 2, so therefore it has to happen with you. 
Understand, tongues is one of many. You know what I say? Keep reading. Because you're going to keep reading. You're going to read Acts, and you're going to see, okay, I see where tongues, I can see where this pastor makes that argument. I can see where this denomination makes this argument. I understand it. And I agree, based on Acts 2, I agree. Yes, you're right. The Holy Spirit does give through speaking in tongues. But keep reading. Then you're going to get to Romans. You're going to grow more about Romans. Like, wow, circumcision. Wow, I thought it was about, you know, physical circumcision. Then you realize it's spiritual about the heart. Then you learn about predestination. And you're growing. You're maturing in Christ. Then you learn about, you know, uh, that the branch doesn't support the root. Then you're done with Romans. And you get into 1 Corinthians. And then you read about, you know, the, the works of the flesh. Like, wow, you know, this is serious business. You read about marriage. I don't like teaching about marriage. I mean, you, maybe before we got into chapter 7, you might have been like, why doesn't he like teaching about marriage? But now that we're done with chapter 7, you're like, okay, I get why he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like teaching about marriage. I don't like teaching about it. I love marriage. I love, you know, there are aspects of marriage that I love, but I don't like teaching about it. You know why? Because there's a lot of undead in the church. There's a lot of undead in the church. There's a lot of babies in the church. And it's difficult for them to understand. So I don't, I don't like teaching it. Because I don't like hurting people. You see? So now that we've gone through chapter 7, you might be like, okay, I get why he doesn't like teaching it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just like, I still don't get why he doesn't, he doesn't like teaching it. But I don't, I don't like telling, uh, 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 you know, I, I just don't, there's certain aspects about, you know, the topic of marriage that I don't like teaching. But, I'll, you know, I have to teach. We're going to touch on certain more subject matter, but I have to teach it. Because if I don't, then I become disobedient. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm not going to do that. You see? A young couple says, hey, can you give us marriage counseling? Sure, no problem. It's nice to have these, you know, recordings. So I say, oh yeah, just listen to this. Listen to this, this, this. <laughs> so it's gonna be nice once it's all once it's all complete. We're gonna we're done through we've we completed through scripture. We're gonna have a nice little library. So somebody says, oh yeah, can I have counseling? So yeah, here's your your first let's listen to this, 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 this. Then I'll probably never hear from them again. I shouldn't be that way, but you know, in history, that's what happens. You know, one time, you know, there was a. A guy who contacted me, yeah, can we have marriage counseling? I said, oh, yes, I would love to do that. I, lo- I would love, absolutely love to do that. But here, before we do that, you know, are you guys living together? Yeah, we're living together. Okay. You guys, one of you has to move. One of you has to move. No more sex. No more sex. And then, you know, when, when repent. Repent. Because you're having premarital sex, it's not good. Sex before marriage, it's not good. Never heard from him again. I mean, I explained why. I said, because, you know, I want to pray for you. We're going to start, you know, uh, discussing, you know, marriage, biblical marriage. And the whole time, I'm going to be praying for you. And when I pray, you know, I, don't, I, I, want, I, I want the Lord to respond. I want the Lord to work in your life, in your heart. But in order for that to happen, you know, you know, you, you got to move away from each other. You can't, you can't be in sin and then pray for God's blessings, you know. I mean, you can, you can but 
nothing's going to happen. You know why? Because there's no alignment to his word. Just like, you know, when Israel started losing battles, and we're going to study that more when we get into Joshua, but when Israel started losing battles, the Lord says to Joshua, like, why are you praying? Why are you praying? There's sin in the camp. You guys are losing battles because of sin. So I told this guy, look, you know, one of you moves away. No more sex. Cut the sex. No more. Cut it out. Until you're married, cut it out. And then repent. Because of those things. Because you're not in the will of the Lord. And I want to pray for you. And when I pray for you, I want the Lord to respond. I want the Lord to bless your hearts. Each individually and then corporately together. And you can have children in the Lord and raise the children in the Lord. Teach them in the Lord. Because God loves godly offspring. He desires godly offspring. And then we'll, you know, we'll talk about the millstone. We'll study the millstone. And I'm going to pray for you. And I want the Lord to respond. I want the Lord's blessings to be upon you. Never heard from him again. You see, I don't like teaching about marriage. I just don't like, because I don't like hurting people. But, you know, it comes up in the scripture. Okay, we got to discuss it. People ask me, okay, I got to tell you. You see, people say, hey, can we, can we have uh, marriage counseling? Sure, no problem. Here are the prerequisites. No more sex. Move. One of you moves away. You see, and repent. Because you didn't do that. You weren't living like that. You're presently living in sin. Repent. And no longer live in sin. It's hardcore. It's hardcore. But there's no other way to live. I've lived lukewarm. I, I tell you from experience. I don't say, okay, you, you should live like this. I tell you, I mean, I'd say you should live like But, you know, I, I tell you from experience. I've done it both. I've been ice cold. I've been lukewarm. I've been a non-believer. I've had my foot in the world, one foot in the world, and one foot in the church. I've done, I've done it. And I tell you from experience, the best way is to abide in Christ. I tell you from experience. So understand that there are these diversities of gifts, but it's the same spirit. And you see this, the leaven has been dealt with when we're in these passages. In verse 5, there are differences of Ministries, which is the diakonia in the Greek. It's service and aid and teaching. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, which is the energema in the Greek. It's the operations. There are diversities of activities and operations, but it is the same God who works all in all, who works, which is the energeo, which is the act to be active and to be mighty. And it's all the work of the Lord. It's the same God who works all in all. The same God. The same Lord. The same Spirit. Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim. Remember? In the beginning, Elohim. The triune nature of God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Spirit. Remember, the leaven has been dealt with. Does that mean that the church is perfect? No, not at all. But does it mean that the church is moving on to perfection? Absolutely. Absolutely. Remember in the Old Testament, in our study in Exodus and Leviticus, even the showbread was not unleavened. You see? Old Testament examples. 
How beautiful is this to when we get into this passage and we see, wow, it's the same Lord. The same Lord is working all these things, diversities of gifts, differences of ministry, diversities of activities, and it's the same Lord, one spirit. This is biblical church unity. Church unity. Church unity is beautiful. It is to be highly, highly desired, a church unity. But not just church per se, not just, you know, any church, not just this church, not just that church, not just... It's a people of the way. Holiness unto the Lord. And I don't say that like an elitist, like, oh, it's just us. No, it's for anybody. I don't care about denomination. I don't care about whatever. When I say a people of the way, I mean a people abiding in Christ. Unity in these people, it's beautiful. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. And it's highly desired. Highly, highly, highly desired. It's very important to understand chapter 5 is done. Chapter 5, is, we're in chapter 12. I mean, you, you, you think about that. You're like, okay, I get it. Chapter 5 is done. But when I say chapter 5 is done, that's kind of a loaded statement. Because chapter 5 deals with 11. Chapter 5, a person has been committed to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Chapter 5 you know, not even to eat with such a person named a brother, named a sister. Put away from you the evil person. You see? Does that mean the church is perfect? No, not at all. Paul says in chapter 11, I do not praise you. In verse 17 and verse 22, I do not praise you. There's a little chastening. Because what's happening today, it's the leaven the leaven where they have a defunct pastor, they have a defunct elder, uh, who defunct deacon, who hasn't said, hey, you guys who are having sex like rabbits, this isn't good. You guys who are doing drugs like crazy, this isn't good. You guys who are you know, doing your occult, this isn't good. Warning number one, warning number two, and then it's a year in, it's two years in. Now, the sex, it's impacting the church. Now, it's coming into the church even more so. Now, the drugs, it's coming into the church even more so. Now, the alcoholism, it's coming into the church even more so. And then, what does that do to the fellowship? When the the leaven just grows and grows and grows and grows, it gets more carnal. Then, you look at the world. It's like, wow, this is, you know, this is the world. You look at the church and you're like, wow. These aren't holy people. These aren't God's people. These, these are, I mean, they're God's people, but wow, they got the, they, they, they got this. It looks like the world. And when I say these aren't God's people, you know, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, Paul acknowledges, yes, you guys are saints. Yes, you guys are saints. But saints don't behave like, there's, there's conduct unbecoming of saints. Conduct unbecoming of Christians. What does that say to the church today? Okay, you say you're a Christian, praise be to the Lord. Let's 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 look at the works of the flesh, let's look at the works of the spirit. Oh, you're still doing drugs? 
Yeah, you know, I, I became a believer, you know, two months ago. Okay, I understand. I get it. You're, you're, you're a crackhead and you, you became a Christian two, years, two, two months ago. Last month. Praise be to the Lord. Now, the crack isn't good. Let's get you some help. The crack isn't good at all. It's, it's, it's you know, the alcohol, the sex. I, yeah, I'm a Christian. I still go to the strip clubs. How long have you been a Christian? You know, I just became a Christian yesterday. Okay, praise be to the Lord. Now, don't do that stuff anymore. Don't go to the strip clubs anymore. You see? Oh, yeah, I still go to the strip clubs. How long have you been a Christian? Oh, I've been a Christian for 30 years. What? What? Oh, yeah, I'm also an elder. What? You see? What is happening? Anybody named a brother, the leaven has been dealt with when in chapter 12. And that's what's happening. You're having the leaven desire unity with unleavened. And that's not good. I mean, even in the Old Testament, the unclean, they were outside the camp. They weren't like outside the camp and kicked out of the camp forever. But the lepers, you know, they had to be inspected by the priests. And the priests themselves, they had to be clean. No funny business because... What if a guy had a, 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 you know, depending on where on the body, what if a lady, depending on anywhere in the body, do you know how clean the priest had to be to inspect leprosy, uncleanness? And then all of a sudden with this uncleanness, for the uncleanness to be addressed and say, okay, you know, to, to pray and, you know, when the Lord brings healing on this person, when the Lord takes the leprosy away, for the priest to inspect and say, okay, this no longer leprosy, now you can come back inside the camp. Now there's the cleansing process that has to happen inside the camp. A process by which you can now enter the tent, your home again. But you can't just be immediate. Why? Because you're, you were just unclean. You're freshly unclean and we have to have this process of cleansing you. But the same thing applies to us as, as Christians in accordance with the new covenant. Cleansing. Cleansing, not getting dirty again. Being clean before the Lord. Being right before the Lord. You have to make these distinctions. Because today it's the leaven that desires unity. That's what happens when church becomes a social club. Church isn't a social club. But when it does become a social club, deep spiritual things such as this, what we're looking at in chapter 12, they get tossed to the wayside. Because church has become a social club. Oh, yeah, I want to I wanna play basketball with you, so let's go to church, and, you know, we'll have a little 20-minute fellowship, and then we'll go shoot hoops afterwards. Oh, yeah, I want to talk politics with you. I want to talk about this. It just becomes a social club. It's much better to turn it into a social club if that's the case because you won't have judgment upon you. Remember what we studied on Wednesday? It would be better to not know the way of righteousness than to know and turn away That's what happens when you have defunct pastors, defunct teachers, defunct elders. Because they don't teach, they don't warn. They do topical messages because they want people to, you know, feel good. It's, it's like a, a self-help session. I want you to feel good. I want your esteem. I want self-esteem. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. It's holiness unto the Lord. And so understand, you have to make these distinctions. 
And so look what happens here. But the manifestation of the Spirit, now the manifestation here is to be rendered apparent in exhibition. It's like a boat show. Exhibits, you know, you go to the zoo, you see these exhibits. You go to the boat show, you see these exhibits. You have rafts, you have, you know, fishing boats, you have uh, leisure boats, you have yachts, you know, boats that have like, you know, bat, like the four bathrooms, they have like a dining room, all these different things. Boats that have little boats on attachments to them, where like you're on this big old yacht and then you can get on a little boat and go like to shore or do like little fishing, but then you come back and you're back in like your home base. All kinds of different boats. Boats that have like, you know, landing, little landing pier for landing dock for uh, helicopters. Big old yachts. But they're still boats. They're on, you're, they're on exhibit. And that's what the, it says here in verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit. The things rendered as apparent in, in exhibition. Is given to each one. Each one for the profit of all, for the advantage of the body together. That's that's why it happens. It's not for somebody to say, wow, look how awesome I am. I speak in tongues. Wow, look how awesome I am. I have knowledge. Wow, look how awesome I am. I can heal. No, that's taking glory away from the Lord. Give all the glory to the Lord, but understand that it's for the sake of the body, for the advantage of all. In verse 8, <clears throat> In verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, look what we see here. We have one brother, one sister who has the word of wisdom. We have through the Spirit. And then we have one brother, one sister who has the word of knowledge. So that's two people right there. Two people. How beautiful is this? And it goes further. Now we see a third to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Now we have four. To another the working of miracles. That's five. To another prophecy. That's six now. To another discerning of spirits. That's seven. To another different kinds of tongues. That's eight. To another the interpretation of tongues. That's nine. Wow, how beautiful is this? It's not all in one person. It's not one person saying, wow, look how awesome I am. I have wisdom. Wow, look how awesome I have. I have knowledge. Wow, look how awesome I am. I can speak in tongues. No, each one is given, the, you know, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. No glory taken away from the Lord. It's just the opposite. All the glory is given to the Lord. And all the glory is given to the Lord but understand that one person has a gifting, another person has a gifting, another person has a gifting, another person has a gifting. Here is just nine that is written. How powerful is this? I mean, look at a church with nine people. A church with nine people, a church with five people. A fellowship of five. The world might look at that and be like, what? That's a church? You guys are just five people. Christians might look at that and be like, you guys are just five people. You guys are so stupid. That's not even a church. But we look at the gifting given of the Holy Spirit. Wow, it's like a fire team. You know, a squad ready to handle business. Diversities of ministries. Diversities of gifts. Diversities of operation. You see, diversities of ops. I love that so much. Unity. But this is biblical unity. It's not unity like you see, 
you know, like, look at the modern day Episcopals, look at the modern day Lutherans, look at the modern day uh, Methodists, who have left their first love, abandoned their first love, loving people more than God. And because they love people more than God and don't fear the Lord, look at what happens. Look at the doctrine. Look at look at what is spewed from the pulpits. Poison. Poison. Now, if you're Methodist, you might know exactly what I'm talking about. And you stay in the Methodist church because of tradition. But remember, your marriage is not to a church. Your marriage is to Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking very spiritual when I say marriage. The better marriage. The better husband. Your marriage is to Jesus Christ. If you're Episcopal, if you're Lutheran, if you're Methodist, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You have a choice to make. Your marriage isn't to church. Your marriage is to Christ, the head of the church. Just as the clarion call of God goes forth, more so in the last days, come out of her, my people. You see, Catholics even, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. You are? Christ would never lead you in that way. Christ would never lead you in something that is contrary to his word. Why do you call yourself a Christian? Christ wouldn't do that. The Lord wouldn't do that. You see? Maybe your marriage is to a church when biblically your marriage needs to be unto the Lord, Jesus Christ, the better husband, the better marriage. Come out of her, my people. You have a choice to make. Episcopal. You have a choice to make Catholic. You have a choice to make Lutheran. You have a choice to make Methodist. You see? You have to join a different camp. Just like we see with Jethro. Just like we see with Balaam. Balaam, you know, is kind of a bad example in the long run. But he still made a choice. He still acknowledges the Lord. Jethro is the better of the two. <laughs> but you have a choice to make still. Look at all these different giftings. And it's so beautiful when you see passages like this. Now, you see these different uh, giftings of the Lord. Now, today, what happens today is that it's the, the uh, people say like, okay, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like he did in the book of Acts. That was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. The Lord doesn't do healings. The Holy Spirit doesn't do healings. The Holy Spirit doesn't do miracles. The Holy Spirit doesn't prophesy. There's no speaking of tongues like you see in the book of Acts. Well, we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see these diversities of gifts. You will not see any expiration date on the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You will not see that. Despite what people say. Despite what the so-called learned class say. But professing to be wise, they became fools. Oh yeah, the, the Holy Spirit, He doesn't do miracles anymore. He doesn't do uh, 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 healings anymore. Where do you see that in the Bible? 
No, you have a people today, the so-called learned class, who say the Spirit doesn't move like that anymore. And for people with such mindset, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit won't do that because He's a gentleman. Then you see a picture of a church with no power. You see a picture of Christians with no power. You see a picture of virgins with no oil. You see? Their very convictions testify of their condemnation. Come out of her, my people. You see? There's a different camp. You change your ways. The Lord's not going to change. The Lord never changes. You change your ways. The same way I changed my ways. You see? It's so beautiful. We see these diversities, these varieties of gifts, of ministries, of activities, but then also, and people. And people, because, you know, you might have a guy who has wisdom, a lady who has knowledge, a guy who has faith, a lady who has healings. You know, and when I say this, you know, the, the word of knowledge, a lady might have it. Yeah, she can be a teacher. Not unto men, not like pastoral ministry. No, that's reserved for men. But look at... Uh, um, Priscilla and Aquila. Look at the knowledge that she had. She had like a double covering, her husband and Paul. And wow, they were used. Priscilla and Aquila, they were like used mightily. Mightily. Beautiful. They even taught Apollos. Remember, like in Corinth, people, the division in Corinth, the carnal division, worldly division, people were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Well, Apollos learned from Priscilla and Aquila. He was teaching the scriptures, but he wasn't teaching the scriptures accurately. And so Priscilla and Aquila took them in, took him in, Apollos, and taught him. And then he went on to Corinth, the region of Corinth, and started teaching there more accurately because of how the Lord used Priscilla and Aquila. How beautiful is that? Now Priscilla and Aquila, they had a, a you know, they had to make certain measurements. Hey, Apollos, have you heard of the baptism of you know what baptism do you teach? Oh, I teach the baptism of John. Oh, okay, that's the baptism of repentance. Have you heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is that? No, I don't know. You see, there's these diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of operation. But it's the same Lord, the same Spirit, who's working all in all. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it. We read about it being taught. Why in the world do, do you not see that in the church? Yes, unity is beautiful. But it's unity in alignment, in alignment with the Word of God, in alignment with the Spirit of the Lord, in alignment with the power of the Lord. Oh, let's have unity. Let's have unity. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go grave soaking. Come with me. What? What is that? You see in verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things. It's the same Lord, the same spirit. Now, 
the leaven has been dealt with. But then at the same time, also, you have to understand that God's spirit will never contradict the Lord, will never contradict our Father, will never contradict His Son, our Lord, will never contradict His Word. Never, 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 never. This is how false teachers creep in. Oh yeah, let's have unity. Let's have unity. We're going to have a church event. What's the church event, Pastor? We're going to go grave soaking. What? God's Spirit will never lead people into necromancy and abomination. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in alignment with the Word of God, will never, ever, ever lead somebody into necromancy and abomination. Never. You see? God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, will never say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. So let me ask you a question. By what spirit, by what spirit, lowercase s, by what spirit do such teachers that we see today speak? Because God's Holy Spirit won't lead God's flock away from Him. By what spirit do they speak? By what spirit do they teach? Knowing that the Holy Spirit won't contradict the Word of God, won't lead people away from Christ. You see? We have to understand this. We have to understand this. You hear me say like it's a war zone? It's a battlefield? Oh my goodness. It's... It's major. There's minefields everywhere and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse in the last days. It's bad now, but this is nothing. This is a cakewalk compared to what it's going to be. This is a straight up cakewalk compared to what it's going to be. It's, now, I teach from America. You might be listening and you're like, whoa, this isn't a cakewalk. What are you talking about? In certain regions of the world, the cost of being a Christian, it'll cost you your life. And so I teach from America. If you live in Western culture, this is a cakewalk. But if you live like in China, in North Korea, in certain parts of Africa, the Arab countries, it's like, well, it's hardcore to be a Christian because if you're a pastor, oh my goodness, you're going to be beaten. You, you will be beat up. It's not like you might. You will. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a teacher, you will be beat up. In some cases, you might even have body parts chopped off. That's the threat that is upon your life. And you might even be killed. You have a target on you. And if you live in those regions, I want you to know that we pray for you. We pray for you. I pray for you. And I want you to know that I love you. And if not in this life, I can't wait to embrace you and give you a big fat hug because I love you. If not in this life, then in the life to come. But I pray in this life one day. I hope in this life. I can feel your heart next to my heart. And give you a big fat hug. And we can rejoice together. In verse 11, but one in the same spirit works all these things. 
distributing to each one individually. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that is uh, giving and distributing as He wills. As He wills. Now remember, the gifts have fruit. Gives the whole, there's fruit of the Spirit. Remember Galatians 5? In Galatians 5, the Word of God says this. In Galatians 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now you see, you remember, the law is not made for a righteous person. The law is not made for a righteous person. Understand this. Now, knowing that the law is not made for a righteous person, then you see the alignment with what is written here. Self-control against such there is no law. These are things that we have to look at when we examine the fruit, when we look at the fruit. Someone might say, oh yeah, I have the gift of tongues. Look, I can speak in tongues. Okay. Why is it that you're calling the Holy Spirit glitter? You're putting this, you call this glitter the Holy Spirit. Why is it that you're going grave soaking? Oh, I'm a pastor. I speak in tongues. Okay. Okay. Where's the self-control? You say you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Where, why do I not see the, 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 the power, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Where's your self-control? Why do you go to strip clubs? Why do you do your crack? Why do you do your occult? You say you have the Spirit. But you know what? Maybe you do have the Spirit, but it's not the uppercase S. It's a lowercase S. What Spirit do you have? You see? Because the Holy Spirit, you'll see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You'll see the fruit. You have to look at the fruit because if you go by what people say, that, that's the way of the trickster. You see? In the days of deception, when it's going to get, you know, worse and worse and worse and worse in these last days. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one, I love this so much because it's like, you know, look at the one human body. One human body. For as the body is one and has many members, because we have our toes, we have our fingers, we have a nose, etc. But all members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Same, same. Same, same. You look at your hand, your left hand, you look at your right hand, you look at your feet, left foot, right foot, your toes. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to do it right now, but I can't really see my nose. But I know it's there. You see? One body. But same, same with Christ, with the, with the body of Christ. With you and with me. Fellowship, unity, oneness. It's not oneness like, hey, let's have a social club. It's oneness in the spirit of the Lord. A social club says, oh yeah, you know, uh, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. The power, the working of the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. That was for another dispensation. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't believe it. Don't be deceived. 
Then you look at the fruit. So people say, people say that. You look at the fruit. I mean, people say that and then you know, okay, that's a lie from the pit of hell. But if people don't want to change their ways, you examine the fruit. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit? You see? The Holy Spirit will never disassociate from the Word of God. Never. But a different spirit would. A different spirit will. And a different spirit does. But not the Holy Spirit. You see? In verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now this is very important. This is key. So we're discussing unity, we're discussing uh, uh, diversities of gifts, we're discussing and studying like, okay, this is a little deeper than what I thought about church unity. But understand, you see, there's, you know, there's, it's not just the baptism of Jesus, there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you say like, what in the world? The baptism of Jesus, I thought that was good. Yes, it's good. But there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember our study in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 8. Let's turn there really quick. Acts chapter 8. As a little refresher course, if you've been walking with us for a while. A little refresher course. If you're a new, new, uh, maybe you're a new believer. If you're a new listener, listen to our study through the book of Acts. But here we are in Acts chapter 8. What do we see here in Acts chapter 8? Well, in verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Wow. You see, two different baptisms here. The baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is beautiful. It's good. And that's what happens when the word of God has been received. Just as we see uh, 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 in verse 14, that the, in Samaria they had received the word of God. And they received the baptism of Jesus Christ, the, the baptism unto the name of the Lord. Beautiful. But even in that state, for this body of believers. They were believers. Look at verse 13. Simon himself believed. Verse 12. They believed Philip. Philip was the evangelist. Yes, they were believers. But remember, even the demons believe. That's what Brother James says. Even the demons believe and they tremble. The fear of the Lord. Belief is beautiful. Because when you believe, you receive the word of God. You might even receive the baptism of the Lord Jesus, which is beautiful. It's like, you know, little steps. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks. Sometimes people have been saying, hey, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. They say, I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been a Christian for 30 years. But they have no baptism. No baptism of the Holy Spirit. No power. That's religion. The intelligentsia. Now we see, okay, so in verse 12, the people believed. In verse 13, Simon himself also believed. Wow, beautiful, they're believers. Okay, beautiful, they're believers, but let's keep going. 
They received the word. Verse 14, they received the word. Wow, praise be to the Lord. It's beautiful. In verse 16, they had been baptized in the Lord Jesus. Wow, praise be to the Lord. But as yet, the Holy Spirit, in verse 16, had fallen upon none of them. In verse 17, you know, Peter and John come into town and they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Wow, praise be to the Lord. You have a, a group of believers who now have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But wait, but wait. Remember verse 13, Simon himself also believed. Something happens with Simon. The Holy Spirit skipped Simon. Why? Because, look at verse 21, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Wow. I mean, for Peter to even say this, do you know how close Peter had to be with the Lord for him to know this? For him to identify what's happening with Simon? Not just the knowledge, but the wisdom. You see, the, the discernment. I mean, in, in Peter, he doesn't just have one gift. He has multiple gifts. Just like Paul, he doesn't just have one gift. He has multiple gifts. Do you know how close Peter has to be in order for him to identify what's happening with Simon? The Holy Spirit skipped over Simon. And Peter is the one who says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness. Wow, Simon, like look at verse 13, Simon believed. He was a believer. He was a believer. And with this group of people, this group of believers, they received the word of God. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But when it came down to the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yes, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. They received the power of the Holy Spirit, except for one. His name was Simon. You see? Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. For I see, for think of Peter's gifting of the Holy Spirit to understand what's happening, to have the discernment, to have the knowledge, to have the wisdom of what's happening with Simon. For I see, he has a different pair of eyes, a different set of eyes, a different set of ears. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now it's very important to understand this because there's a lot of believers today. They receive the word of the Lord. They receive the baptism of Jesus Christ. But there's no power of the Holy Spirit. There's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the means by which we have the power. It's the batteries for our flashlight. It's the oil for our lamps. You see? The intelligentsia you see today, they deny these things. They have the knowledge. 
They have knowledge of the Word of God. They, you know, reading the, the, the Bible as literature, they can pinpoint certain passages of Scripture. But no power. No power. And if there is power, you know, that's power because the Holy Spirit, that's, it's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. But there is coming a time when He who now restrains the Holy Spirit will be lifted up. You know, when that happens, do you know how many lights are going to go out? When the Holy Spirit is lifted up, do you know how many lights are going to go out? As soon as the Holy Spirit lifts up, when it happens, and it's prophesied to happen, the Holy He who now restrains is going to lift up a lot of lights. There's, there's already a lot of lights out, non-believers. But even in the church, a lot of lights are going to go out immediately. Immediately, because there's no baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have the head knowledge. They have the intelligentsia. They have the intellect. They have religion. No relationship. So the Holy Spirit's going to lift one day as surely as the Lord lives. And then when that happens, a lot of lights are going to go out. And then you're going to see a bunch of little lights. Okay, this is good, the little lights. But then you're going to start to see lights get dimmer and dimmer and then go dark. Why? Because they ran out of oil. And then you're going to see a very, very peculiar people. A people of the way. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. And their lights are going to shine even brighter. Do you know why? Because they've stored oil for their lamps. That's why we always say, store your oil. Store your oil. People say, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. Let the dead bury the dead. Store your oil. Because it's going to get dark. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. And lights are going to go out. Not so with the remnant. Not so with the remnant. So when we understand these passages of how the Spirit works, the gifting of the Spirit, the diversities of gifts, the diversities of ministries, the diversities of operations, understand when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So what does that say here? There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a people of the way. Not just with the baptism of... The baptism of Jesus is good. But there's more. Belief in Jesus is good. But there's more. How is it that we live the Christian life? Oh, well, we need the helper. We need the paracletus, the Holy Spirit. We need Him. It's the Lord who sent Him. The helper. To help you. To help me. To help us. Why in the world would I shun him? Why in the world would anybody say, Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. Why? I mean, I, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit, but I also it's like I chuckle with crying, with tears. Why in the world would anybody say that? The intelligentsia would say that. But professing to be wise... 
they become fools. And their lamps will go dark. And maybe you see that already. Dark lamps. Dark lamps. You see the fruit of the Spirit. Or you see the fruit of the flesh. The works of the flesh. You look at the fruit. You examine the fruit. And so look what happens here. In verse 13. Whether Jews or Greeks. Whether slaves or free. And have all been made to drink or to eat and to drink is how that translates. And all have and, and, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. You have living water. You have the bread of life. And remember, the leaven has been dealt with. The leaven is gone. And the spirit never, the Holy Spirit never, ever, ever contradicts the word of God. And this is where sound doctrine is key. Sound doctrine is key. Knowledge. Remember, knowledge is a beautiful gift. Not the greatest, but it's a beautiful gift. Sound doctrine. You have to understand the Word of God. Scripture. Alignment in the Bible. Look at the books of the Bible. Look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. Look at the apostles and the prophets. Look at the time differences. And what do you see? You see alignment. How in the world? Peter was a fisherman. And it was the religious leaders who marveled at what he knew. Marveled at his knowledge. And then they realized he had walked with Jesus. Peter was not a, a, a learned guy. But he had the gift of knowledge. He had the gift of wisdom. Of discernment. Now, this fisherman didn't go to school with us. He wasn't raised in the ways of uh, the priesthood and the ways of the Levites and the ways of the Kohanim. How in the world does this fisherman know these things? Oh, I remember. I saw him with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You know what? He was walking with Jesus. You see, they marveled. How in the world does Peter's writings, the outpouring of his heart, how in the world does his writings align with those of Moses in the Pentateuch? How in the world does the writings of Paul align with the writings of the prophet uh, Isaiah? Amos who says, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. The Lord says, you're a prophet. How in the world does the writings of Amos align with the writings of Jude? And Brother John, how does his writings align with Joel the prophet? The writings of Moses. The same spirit. That's how. The same spirit. Alignment. Alignment. Prophecies in Isaiah align with prophecies in Revelation. alignment over the course of like look at the time gap you see sound doctrine is key alignment with the word of God it's the same spirit you have the alignment you see the Holy Spirit will never lead somebody outside of the word of God will never lead somebody into apostasy. The Holy Spirit will never do that. The Holy Spirit leads into the truth. So by what spirit 
do people follow? By what spirit do people speak? Now there's judgment. The judgment is coming. And judgment comes first in the house of God. And a time is coming where people will believe the lie because they have no love of truth, which is why you hear us say all the time, love the truth, even when it hurts, even more so when it hurts. Love the truth because there's the biblical Jesus, but then there's another Jesus. There's another Jesus. You say, what? I thought you were a Christian. What are you talking about? There's another Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, in verse 3 of Matthew 24, it was the disciples who asked of the Lord. He says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then the Lord gives this great, great, great teaching on the signs of the end of the age. But in verse 23, he says this, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. Do not believe it. See, look, people are saying, look, here's the Christ, here's the Messiah. And the Lord is saying, do not believe it. Very interesting. For false Christ and false prophets will rise. This word for will rise is to stand and to rise up and leave obscurity. They're going to come out of the woodworks. False Christ and false prophets. And they're going to be on the rise. They're going to come out of the woodworks and show great signs and wonders to deceive or to seduce, if possible, even the elect. You see? Then you understand when Jesus says, you know, it's a wicked and cruel generation which seeks after a sign. You see? A wicked generation seeks after signs and wonders. We don't seek after signs and wonders. Now we understand that the Lord does do signs and miracles and wonders, but we don't believe like for the sake of those things. No, we understand they're a byproduct of seeking the Lord. We don't seek the miracles. We seek the Lord and the Lord gives miracles. But what's going to happen to the last day's generation who sees these signs and wonders Is, is it a seduction? A satanic seduction? These false Christs and false prophets who will leave obscurity and rise up and be on the rise and increase. And their purpose, their objective is to deceive. If possible, even the elect. And the Lord says, See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, in order for false Christ to stand up and rise up, and false Christ, in order for that to happen, in order for that to happen, the, the false teachers, the false Christ leaving obscurity, False Christs must be taught. False Messiahs must be taught. Which means what? A deviation away from truth. No love of truth. Doctrine, teaching that fails to align with the Word of God. And remember, the Word became flesh. 
So what happens when the Bible says, you know, the Bible says one thing, the Bible teaches one thing, and you have a pastor who says, oh yeah, let's go grave soaking. You have a youth leader that says, oh yeah, let's go grave soaking. You have a pastor who says, oh yeah, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. You have a pastor who says, oh yeah, Israel is replaced. You see? Another Jesus is being presented to unsuspecting sheep and unsuspecting lambs. Another Jesus. You see? It's prophesied to happen. It will happen. And it is happening. You know what else is happening? People are buying into that. People are being seduced. People are being seduced. Oh, I'm of the elect. I'm of the elect. Once saved, always saved. I'm of the elect. I'm chosen. I'm predestined. Okay. I get what you're saying. It doesn't align with scripture, but I understand your position. So tell me, since you're of the elect, why is it that you believe it's okay to take the mark of the beast and still be saved? Knowing that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, the biblical Jesus, not the fake Jesus, lowercase j, the uppercase j. Knowing that the Holy Spirit will never lead somebody away from Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit aligns with the Word of God. Why is it that you think it's okay to take the mark of the beast? I don't think that. I don't think that. Oh, really? See that study Bible you have? Whose name is on that study Bible you have? Whose name is on that study Bible? Do you know what he teaches? Do you know what he advocates? Come out of her, my people. Behold the last days. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, in closing. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And I love this so much because Paul just breaks it down. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, not at all. Not at all. I love how he breaks it down. He just simplifies things. They're like, wow, I get it now, Paul. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? Because I'm not an eye, he says. Am I not of the body? Or I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, these are like nonsensical. Not nonsensical like, you know, Paul, you're, you're talking nonsense. But like, Paul, you know, thanks for breaking it down. Because the concept is nonsensical. Understand these diversities of gifts, diversities of, 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 of ministries, diversities of operation. But it's the same Lord, the same Spirit. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If everyone is an eye, just as Paul said, where would be the smelling? But now indeed, in verse 20, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye 
cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, because we're one body. Diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversity of operation. It's the same spirit. You see? No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. I love this so much. Verse 22. Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So we read verse 8 and 10. Verse 8 and 10. You see these, you know, to one is given the word of wisdom. This is in verse 8. Through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, put yourself in a time machine. Say, you and me, you and me. We get in a time machine. We go back in time to Corinth. And, you know, we're sitting in the pews of Corinth. And here we are sitting right next to each other in the pews of Corinth. And, you know, chapter 5, you know, somebody comes, hey, we got a letter from Paul. They read it. Okay, read it. And so they start reading it. You know, we're all encouraged, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Like, wow, we kind of laugh. Why wow, he's calling us babies. Yeah, whoa, you know. Some people are hurt. I mean, their, their little feelers hurt. And then we get into chapter 5. And the, whoever's reading keeps reading. And then, whoa, our rejoicing isn't good. Whoa, Paul is calling out this brother. Whoa, he says to commit a brother, to commit this guy to Satan. Oh my goodness. He says anybody named a brother, not even to eat with such a person that's a drunkard, uh, 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 you know, a, a reviler, sexually immoral. Oh my goodness. And then you start to see people get up and leave. They're offended. Maybe even we're offended, but you know, maybe like you're a drunkard and I'm a reviler and it's like, wow, we repent. We repent and say, Lord, forgive me. We change our ways. We align to the Lord. We align, we yield to the word of God, the Lord and the spirit of the Lord. We align to him. You see? And our heart is clean before the Lord. And then you see people, more people get up and leave, walk out. Whoa, oh my goodness. Wow. What's happening here? You're like, wow, you know, I just had dinner with this guy last night, but you know, he's a sex head. Well, I'm not going to hang out with him anymore. And then he gets up and he walks out and he leaves. Whoa. The Lord is cleaning house. You see, it's very important. So, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've repented. We're like, wow, praise be to the Lord. And, you know, we're sitting next to each other. You know, we're kind of like, you know, comforted, but still kind of hurt. Like it's just fresh. It's like, whoa, you know, but it's a good, good hurt. You know, the chastisement, it's, it's painful, but for a moment, just as uh, Hebrews 12 says. And then we get into chapter 12, and the reader starts saying, Yeah, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. And we're listening, and we're like, we're kind of bummed out. We look at each other, and we're kind of sad. Like, man, we don't have wisdom. We don't have knowledge. To another faith, it's like, man, we don't have faith. Look, we were just faithless. Yeah, we're cleansed of the Lord, but... We don't have healings. We don't have miracles. We don't have prophecy. Uh, prophecy. We don't have discernment. We don't speak in tongues. We don't have interpret the gift of interpreting tongues. We don't have that. And we're kind of bummed out like, man, what does that mean? Does that mean we're like worthless? No, it's just the opposite. Paul says in verse 22, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary because what Paul is about to do, the Lord is about to do using Paul. Paul is just a vessel. 
In chapter 13, he's about to teach about the greatest gift, which is love. Love. Which we can be in, in that example. We go on our time machine. We're sitting next to each other. We're bummed out at the reading of chapter 12 and the wisdom, the knowledge, the faith, the healing, the miracles, the prophecy, the discerning, the tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And we're kind of bummed out like, man, we don't have that. But what do we have? Love. Love. You see? How beautiful is that? Because Paul says here in verse 22, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Now, this is kind of a bummer today because I say, let me explain. When I say it's kind of a bummer today, because today modesty is gone. Modesty is gone. You know, everything is presentable these days. Sometimes you, if you're a guest in a church, you walk into the church and you wonder, wow, is this a church or a nightclub? Women. Is this a church or a nightclub? Men. Is this a church or a nightclub? Pastors, elders. What are the pastors teaching at the pulpit? Where are the godly women who are supposed to be examples, are supposed to be patterns? The godly women. Modest dress, modest attire. You see, where's modesty in the church? Paul even writes in the pastoral epistles, he says to Titus, how, you know, the godly women are like a pattern for the other women to follow. Where's modesty? It's beautiful. Sometimes women say, oh yeah, I don't want to dress this way because I don't want to cause the brother to stumble. Okay, I get that, I get that. But pause there for a moment. I mean, it's good that you're taking that, that brother into account. That's that's beautiful. But let's forget the men. Sometimes I wish I could speak to just the sisters only. Let's forget the men. Forget the men. And people say, oh, I don't want to dress this way because I don't want to cause a brother to stumble. Let's forget the brothers. What about you and the Lord? What about you and your capital H husband? You see? Holiness unto the Lord. Let's forget all the men. And let's just keep in mind, keep in focus, the man Christ Jesus. The mediator between God and man. What about him? You see, modesty is beautiful. And, you know, we read passages like this and I think pastors do a great disservice because of what they teach or what they fail to teach. Passages like this can't ring, can't resonate even more true. Paul says here in verse 23, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but when modesty is gone in the church, how can passages like this resonate in the heart of of, of a person? But when modesty is held in great esteem, you can read this and be like, our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. And for the person, like the example I gave where you and me were in the pews of Corinth, we're in, we go back in our time machine and we're bummed out. Like, man, I don't got wisdom. I don't got knowledge, no faith, no healing. I'm not like Peter. I'm not like Paul. I'm not like uh, uh, Chloe. Oh, look, there's Chloe right there. Remember, we're in the pews of Corinth. I'm not like those in her household. And we're bummed out. And Paul's about to teach about the greatest gift, which is love. 
and we got that, and we rejoice because we have that. I'm getting ahead of myself because we haven't hit on chapter 13 yet, but we're getting there. But when we have this understanding of modesty, applicationally, how much more true can this resonate with us to understand like, wow, this great, we don't have these gifts, but this other gift, which is kept in modesty for a purpose, as something beautiful. What is this great gift, Paul? I desire to know what is this great gift. I don't. I can't speak in tongues. I don't have knowledge. I don't have wisdom. What is this gift you speak of? Because I'm kind of bummed out because I don't have these things. And we're kind of like antsy in our seats because we're like, wow, you know. All the immodest people, they left because, you know, they were the leaven. They got up, they had their feelers hurt and they haven't repented. And so they got up and left. Then you see, you look around, you look at the women and it's like, wow, you know, they're modestly, they're modest attire. And Paul is talking about modest here. What is this? What is this he speaks of? And we're getting antsy. I look over at you, you look over at me. We, gotta, we were kind of sad, bummed out because we don't have wisdom. We don't have knowledge. We were kind of bummed out and now we got like a little smile on our face. What is it Paul's speaking of? Is there is there another gift? He didn't is there something he didn't mention? In verse 24, but our presentable parts have no need. You see, there's no need to be modest with the presentable parts. Now remember verse 7, because in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit, the revealing of you know things rendered as apparent in exhibition, like the boat show. The exhibit you see at the zoo, at the, at the museum. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit or the benefit of all. And these things, uh, the presentable parts have no need, as is written in verse 24. But God composed the body, having given, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Wow. So... There's the presentable parts, and then there's the unpresentable parts. So the presentable parts, Paul wrote about. The Holy Spirit revealed wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discernment, discerning, tongues, interpretation. What, what is it? What is it? We're getting antsy in our pews. What is this? Paul is about to speak about love. Love as the greater gift. Love as the greatest gift. And we're just blown away. We're just overwhelmed with God's goodness. We're overwhelmed with His grace. Overwhelmed with His love. Because we were looking at each other kind of bummed out in the pews. Man, we don't have knowledge. We don't have wisdom. We don't speak in tongues. Bummed out. And now we learn, oh, there's a greater gift, which is love. And we're blown away because we can do that. The gift of love. And what's sad is that you have these denominations, people who say, oh, if you want to know that you're a Christian, you know, you have to speak in tongues because that's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, that's one of many 
It's not even the greatest gift. It's one of many. It's not even the greatest gift. So why would a person say, you know, you have to, for evidence of the Spirit, you have to speak in tongues? Why? When the Bible doesn't teach that, the speaking of tongues, it's one of many. The Bible doesn't even teach that. Come out of her, my people. There's a better camp. Make a choice. In verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body. There should be no break or severing in the body. Now understand, division happens. Truth divides. The Lord divides. Remember in uh, Luke chapter 12, in Luke 12, the Lord says, Luke 12 verse 51, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's truth. That's that, that's what truth does. Truth divides. The Lord says, "Don't do you think that I came to bring peace?" He says, "No, I came to bring division." Rather division, he says. And that's what truth does. The, the the Lord divides. That's the effect of truth on leaven. Truth on leaven, division. That's what we see in chapter 5. Commit such a one to Satan. Anybody named a brother who's involved with the sexually immoral, who's sexually immoral, who's a reviler, who's a drunkard, not even to eat with such a person, put away from you the evil person. That's what truth does. It divides. But among the remnant, there needs to be unity. Unity. And it's the Lord that unites the same spirit in diversities of gifts, it's the same Spirit. Diversity of ministries, the same Lord. Diversities of operations, the same God. He does these things by His Spirit. It's not just one person who has all gifts. One person might have several gifts, just like we see with Peter, when he has wisdom and knowledge and, and uh, uh, discernment. He also speaks in tongues, like chapter 2. We're not drunk, it's 9 in the morning. That's what he says. The people says, you guys are drunk. Peter says, it's not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Some people have multiple gifts. But it's so beautiful when we see this. Wow. Unity of the body of Christ. Unity of the remnant. And not just unity. I'm talking about a close-knit people. Closely, closely knit people. And it's the Lord who does the uniting. It's not a social club. That's why in previous verses, there was very specific mention where we said, you have to make this distinction and understand that the leaven has been dealt with. And God's Spirit will never uh, 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 contradict the word. And now that we know these two things, that the leaven has been dealt with and the Spirit will never contradict His word, what remains? What is the remnant that remains? Well, of this remnant that remains, there needs to be unity. And this unity, remember, you know, all the lights that are going, going out when I mentioned that? 
when the re- when he who now restrains is lifted up, a lot of lights are going to go out immediately. Immediately. As soon as that happens, when the Holy Spirit lifts up, a lot of lights are going to go out immediately. And when the lights go out, it's going to get dark in those homes. It's going to get dark in those hearts. It's going to get dark. Remember, even if... Uh, uh, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, even the elect. A lot of lights are going to go out. When the Holy Spirit lifts, sometimes some lights are going to go out immediately, and some are going to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and then burn out because they have no oil. But for Goshen, where there's light, a people of the way, a people who have stored oil for their lamps, With those people who are storing oil today, right here, right now. There is a very special unity that the Lord is building, that the Lord is developing. It's a remnant. Unity of the remnant. It's the effect of truth on the wise virgins. Now, Satan doesn't mind unity among leaven because it's how the uncleanness can enter a fellowship and it's how he can attack a fellowship, weaken a fellowship, and even break the fellowship and even destroy homes, destroy lives. I mean, look at, uh, look at what's happening in Corinth. In chapter 3, 4, and 5, he's laughing. He was laughing. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Look at look at what the, the the how he threw a wrench in things. With this state of arrested development, look at the works of the flesh that we see in the church in Corinth. And now he's getting kind of mad because Paul, you know, the Lord is cleaning house, but he's using Paul. And he's getting mad. Paul, don't tell the Christians this. Don't tell the Christians how dare you tell the Christians this. Don't write this letter. Don't say this. Don't say that. Now you get a picture of the spiritual warfare. Remember our study in the book of Acts? The opposition that Paul was facing. People wanting to kill him. People wanting to beat him. People wanting him in prison. When he was, uh, when he went to Jerusalem, how all these people were conspiring to kill him. I mean, yes, there's that aspect of, yeah, people want to kill him. There's that aspect of this Literal, physical opposition. But when you read these texts, when you read the the epistles, you see, wow, now you get why Satan wants to stop Paul. Because look what he's doing in the church. He's a vessel that the Lord is using to clean house. And Satan wants to prevent that from happening. And he wants to kill Paul. You see? You see spiritual warfare? And here, in verse 25, what do we learn? We learn here. Excuse me. That there should be no schism in the body. There should be no break or severing in the body. Now, I'll say it again. You have to make this distinction. No leaven. The leaven has been dealt with. And with this leaven that has been dealt with, I say that because leaven today will say, look, they'll point at verse 25, 
Look, there should be no schism in the body. You shouldn't. Uh, uh, you can still have meals with me. You can still have dinner with me. You can still have lunch with me. You can still have breakfast with me. But you look at the work of the flesh in their lives. They're still doing their drugs. They're still going to strip clubs. They're still doing their, you know, their their crack, their attack cheat, their Ouija boards, their yoga. They're still doing all these things. Not just for a week. Maybe they're a brand new believer. They have to put us, they have to learn to put aside those things. To leave their dumb idols, just as Paul says. But if they've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, and there's no change, no fruit of the Spirit, now you have a choice to make. Why is there no fruit of the Spirit? Are they on arrested development? Instead of advancing and maturing in Christ, are they like, you know, dropping down a grade? Are they going the opposite direction? Now you have a choice to make. Because people will claim to you, oh yeah, you, church unity is good. We got to have church unity. Okay, I'm all for church unity. But unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body in accordance to the same spirit. I'm not going to go grave soaking. I don't believe it. replacement theology is unbiblical. Oh, it's not replacement theology. It's cessationism. Same thing. You know, people, they use all these big words so they can confuse the lambs, the sheep. You see? Oh, we're one. We're, we're supposed to have church unity, church unity. That guy says I should take the mark of the beast, that it's okay to take the mark of the beast and I can still be saved. I'm not down with that. Why? The Bible doesn't say. The Bible says the opposite. Condemnation. Straight up hellfire damnation. Why would the Spirit of God teach such a thing? No, the Spirit of God won't teach such a thing. So why do you want to follow that guy? Just like Paul says in chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Who are you following? Come out of her, my people. In verse 25, there should be no schism, no break, no severing in the body, but that the members should have the same care or eager, eager care for one another. Remember, one body. Same mind, same spirit, same Lord, in complete and total alignment with the Word of God. Just as you see Peter's writings aligns with the writings of Moses, aligns with the writings of Jeremiah, of Isaiah, of Amos, Zechariah, Jude's writing align with uh, 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 Zechariah, Joel. You see? Paul's writings align with, uh, with Moses, Old Testament interprets the new. New Testament interprets the old. Verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's why, you know, we study sometimes in the Old Testament. Wednesdays are, you know, mostly in the Old Testament, predominantly in the Old Testament. Sundays, uh, New Testament. And sometimes we reflect back on different Testaments. We're, we're in the New Testament and we'll look back on the Old Testament. We're in the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament. And you see, wow, you know what? The new does interpret the old. The old does interpret the new. And you see this alignment spanning all, spanning decades, spanning centuries, spanning millennia. 
And you see this alignment. Alignment of Moses with Paul. Alignment with Joshua and Jude. Alignment with Ruth and John. Why? Same spirit. That's why. In verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Remember, oneness, unity. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Remember, the manifestation of the Spirit. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Remember the diversity of gifts. And remember also, there's great honor in the unpresentable parts. Is it tongues only? No, not at all. There's greater honor with no tongues. You see? Greater honor with no tongues. What do you mean? Well, we're going to understand that more. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do, do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. A resounding no. These are the presentable parts. So that example I gave earlier, you and me, we go in the time machine. We're sitting there in the pews. We see the division of truth, people getting up to leave because, you know, they're, uh, uh, anyone named a brother who's a reviler, an extortioner, sexually immoral, they, start, they get their feelers hurt and they start to leave. Some of them, you know, wow, that guy's an extortioner. Wow, that lady's sexually immoral. But then you see them fall to their faces before the Lord and they repent. And they're crying and then you hear them, now forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Instead of walking away, no, they were on their knees repenting. And we're just like, wow. So all these people left and what remains? A remnant. You see division happening, but in this remnant remaining, the division is happening. Some people left. And of this remnant that remains, people have been cleansed, washed. No schism. There should be no schism in the body. There should be no breakup, no severing in this in this remnant. But wait a second. I can't speak in tongues. I don't have wisdom. I don't have knowledge. In verse 30, Paul says, Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And we look at each other and we're like, What is he getting at? These are the presentable parts. He mentioned the unpresentable parts. What is that? Now we go inside the heart. It's a heart matter. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. Do you know what that is? Love. Love. You see? The greatest gift. Love. Don't be discouraged. You know, you man, I don't have knowledge. Don't be discouraged. The Lord can give you knowledge. And as you grow and as you mature, you're going to get knowledge. You can't speak in tongues. I don't care what denominations tell you. They tell you, oh, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian because that's evidence of the Spirit in your life. That's nice. That's That's what man says. 
What does the Bible say? It is one of many gifts. I mean, such people say, oh yeah, if you, if you don't speak in tongues, there's no evidence of the Spirit in your life. Meanwhile, they're doing drugs. Meanwhile, they're sex heads. Meanwhile, they're alcoholics. Meanwhile, they're of the, in the occult. What spirit do they speak of? What spirit do they teach? What spirit, do, what spirit are they involved with? Not the capital, a, capital S. It's another spirit. In accordance with what the Bible, it's, it's all building up to the, you know, when the, these false Christs and false prophets will rise up, they will come out of obscurity. This is nothing. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But for the remnant, don't be discouraged. You can't speak in tongues? Don't, don't be discouraged. You don't have discernment? Don't be discouraged. You don't have knowledge? You don't have wisdom? Don't be discouraged. What do you have? What are, what are those modest parts of the body? Because these are the presentable parts. What are the, what are the modest parts of the body? We look inside. It's love. It's love. And from there, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the Holy Spirit builds, 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 brick by brick by brick in your heart. And then wisdom comes in. And then knowledge comes in. Just like we see what happened with Peter. And then tongues. And then discernment. And then fill in the blank. One body, many parts, one spirit, diversities of spirits, diversities of operations, diversities of activities, diversity of ministries. And then all of a sudden, you know, you grow, you have the knowledge, you have the wisdom, and maybe even the gift of healing. And then in the gift of healing, now you enter into a ministry. Oh, this brother's sick. Okay, let's call this other sister. She has the gift of healing. You know, hey. You're like activated. Okay, hey. This other brother has the gift of miracles. Where there's this need in the body. Okay, you know, let's all pray together, but this brother is going to take point in this matter. This sister is going to take point in this matter. Because the Lord has gifted them. You know what happens today? The pastor does it all. The pastor is like doing everything. Because, hey, pastor, there's this need in the church. Hey, you go do this. Then you have the pastor who's a people pleaser. Okay, I'll go. And the pastor burns out. Remember? Oh, it happened in the book of Acts. Oh, uh, apostles, there's this need in the church. The apostles say, we're not going to leave the word of God. The Lord called us in this ministry. We're going to stay faithful to the Lord in His calling us in this ministry. You choose among yourself seven men. You choose. Seven men of good, you know, there's qualifiers. It's not just seven warm bodies. There's qualifiers full of the Holy Spirit. You see? Diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of operations. You see that in the book of Acts? Look at Philip when he's in the body and he's, you know, you know, has unity with the body, but in a diversity of operations, the Lord called him to be an evangelist. And he goes into Samaria, just as we looked at in, in 
Acts 8. Diversity of operations, but still one body. Many parts. No schism in the body. The leaven has been dealt with. The Spirit will not deviate from the Word of God. You must make this distinction. Because today people say, Oh, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's a lie. Because the Bible says there's diversities of spirit, diversity of, of gifts that the Spirit gives. And the greatest being love, which we're going to study more next week. To the beautiful people of the way, God bless you. I love you.